Hello, and welcome to Diversity. It's a podcast where we talk about culturally relevant conversation. Each episode, we bring on guests to discuss topics surrounding multiculturalism, diversity, and inclusion. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your cup of tea. Hello, everyone. My name is Donald Glenn. Today, we are joined by Josephine Hallam, who is an experienced felony trial attorney with a demonstrated outstanding history of working in criminal courtrooms. And so, hello, and thank you for being here. Hello, and thank you for saying I'm outstanding. I love it already. You are. And uh, (laughs) if you wouldn't mind, share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into law and justice. Okay, so I actually, my grandfather was a Supreme Court justice on the Supreme Court, and his name was Hugo Black. He was appointed by Roosevelt, and he was on the court until 1971. So I grew up with a history in my family of a reverence for the law, visiting the Supreme Court and meeting the justices. So it's somewhat in my family, but you always go your own way. So I went to Brown undergrad, focused on black women in history and black women writers, Wow! and then decided I, surprise, surprise, wanted to go to law school. So I looked through one of those books finding law school, and for University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, it said, forget bang for your buck, it's explosion for your penny at UNC (laughs) Chapel Hill. So I went and I drove my little car down there and got a job and stayed there for a year to establish residency. So I ended up going to UNC Chapel Hill Law School for $1,000 a year in state tuition because I knew I wanted to do public interest law. So. That's it. Well, that's wonderful. Now, could you tell me and tell our listeners, why are rights important? Why is it important to know about, you know, to know your rights? So I have a certain reverence for the Constitution, and your rights in the law are everything. Mm. So the government can overreach, but they're there to protect the individual. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I can go into court and assert your rights if you've been wronged or mm-hmm. set a limit by government, and they're there to always keep limits. They're there to protect you as an individual. Mm-hmm. They're there to protect you from other people, from the government. And so they're so essential to everything we do in life. And I don't think you Absolutely. realize it until you're in trouble and something happens. Mm. That's good. Considering, let's say I'm a client or as okay. a client, yes. um, how should someone find or know what kind of attorney they need to have for a specific case? Okay, so there are different types of cases in the law. There's civil cases, which mm-hmm. are just people wronging other people or wanting money from people, and then there are criminal cases. So those are the two types of law, civil and criminal. So if you have been arrested or someone you know has mm-hmm. been arrested, you need a criminal defense attorney, and okay. that's what I do. Most people these days use Google, and <laughs> um, so they Google, and they look on sites like Avo, mm. and they can look up and find websites. The best way is always to get a recommendation mm-hmm. of someone that's referring someone. But you can look online and look at reviews. Reviews are important, and most criminal defense attorneys do give free consultations 
And my thing is see a few attorneys because not every attorney is for every person. And you have to find one you're comfortable with and confident in because you're putting your life in their hands. Mm. So I never think people should just interview one attorney. So kind of shop around, yeah. And also ask them their experience because Mm. I do sex crimes and I do high-level cases like murders. And so ask ask what they've done. How many trials have Mm -hmm. you done in the last year or two personally? What is your caseload? What kind of cases do you do? Because if you walk in assuming that people have done a certain case, you're going to get in trouble. Mm. And I'm not big on the big mill criminal defense firms. So Mm. also, if it feels like they're pulling money out of you and it feels like they're trying to get you to sell all your cars and they're saying, you know, this is how much freedom costs, how Mm. much will you pay for it? Don't fall for that. Yeah, it sounds kind of fishy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you'll know when you hit the right attorney. Mm-hmm. You'll know in your heart. That's good. That's good to know. That's good information. And I will never let families hire me. Mm. I always say, let me go. My clients are always in custody, but mm. I let me go to jail because it doesn't matter if a family likes me. Yeah. It's whether the client yeah. likes me and can work with me. That's good. Now, as a criminal defense attorney, why do you believe it's important for people to have legal Representation, because I know some people try to represent themselves. Such a bad idea. (laughs) Such a bad idea. Talk to us about that. Okay, so one of the things I want to start with that always astounds me is Miranda. I want to talk a little bit about Miranda, right? So when Miranda went before the Supreme Court, the government's argument was, we can't give these rights. We can't give them Miranda rights Mm. and tell them that everything can be used against them and they have a right to stay silent because we'll never get anybody to talk. Mm -hmm. 80% of people still talk to police, Mm -hmm. which to me is dumbfounding. Mm. It's dumbfounding. People can think they'll talk their way out of something or convince the police of something, but police by Supreme Court rule can lie to you. Mm. So they could have us in two separate rooms and they could say, hey, Jody just threw you on their bus and Mm. said you did the whole thing. And you're like, well, I didn't do it alone. We were both there. Mm -hmm. I didn't say anything in my room, really. Mm. So they can lie to you. So every time you have police contact, you have to be polite, but you always say, I want to remain silent and I want my attorney. As a defense attorney, it does me zero help to have you give them any information. Mm. Because in court, I have to control the narrative, Mm -hmm. and you will not help me. You might say, oh, I was there, but it didn't happen. Mm. Now you've placed yourself there. So trust me when I say for all criminal defense attorneys in the world, invoke, I want to remain silent, and I want my attorney. Is there ever a time where someone requests an attorney and does not get one? So there are different types of attorneys. There are private attorneys and there are public attorneys. Okay. So at a certain level of income, you have a right, you're declared indigent, and you have a right to be appointed Mm -hmm. a public attorney, a Mm -hmm. public defender. That is usually the federal poverty level. In Arizona, it's $16,000 for a two-person household. So Mm. you fill out an indigency form or an economic form. Mm -hmm. And if you hit that level or below, the court appoints an attorney for you. And if not, then you're on your own to find and pay for a private attorney. 
I am a big believer in the public defender system. I spent my whole career as a public defender. Um, my grandfather actually wrote the Gideon opinion, and wow. getting the right to an attorney was a hard, hard-fought battle. Mr. Gideon was in prison for a long time. Wow. So I think being a public defender is using your law degree to be of service, like our servicemen go and fight for us. Mm-hmm. Public right. defenders really use their law degree to be of service. And they're some of the most outstanding trial attorneys you will see. It's like boot camp for trial attorneys. So I know that there are specific regulations and protocols in Maricopa County. Could you speak more about uh, the time frame of committing a crime and being charged by the state? Absolutely. So there are different types of crimes. There are misdemeanor crimes Mm -hmm. and there are felony crimes. Okay. Misdemeanor crimes mean you can't go to prison. And people think prison and jail are the same thing. They're totally different. Mm. So prison is you go to the state and it's like a penitentiary and you're held there. Jails are local here. Okay. So when you're faced with a misdemeanor, you can, if you are facing jail time, you get appointed a public defender if you're indigent for that. But you can't get more than six months of jail for a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. For felonies, depends on the crime. They only have one year to charge a misdemeanor from the time you commit it to the time it's charged. They have seven years for felonies to charge it. So you could rob a bank right now and not get charged for seven years. And you're in a totally different part of your life. As far as certain sex crimes and murders, those are forever. You can get charged. You could be 80, and Mm -hmm. we have that. People are 80, and people report on them. Mm -hmm. The sequence for what happens is uh, they need articulable facts to first detain you uh, and investigate it. So they have to think something specific to you you've done that's illegal. When they take you in from that time— to your initial appearance has to be reasonable under court rule, but it's basically within 48 hours. Mm -hmm. People think they're allowed to know what they're being arrested for as they're arrested, but unfortunately, the law says you don't have to be told until that initial appearance. So I have a lot of clients say, hey, he didn't tell me what he was arresting me for. Well, that kind of, that's That was a a question that I had because— I assumed that when you were being arrested or even pulled over by the police, that they have to tell you what you're being pulled over for. So So that's not the case. No, unfortunately. But at your initial appearance, a judge, you go before a judge here in Maricopa County. It's in the Horseshoe. We call it a Fourth Avenue jail. Mm. And you go before a judge, and they set your bond, and they tell you these are your charges. Those aren't necessarily charges because it goes through a process that I'll talk about, but it goes through a process before your real charges. Mm -hmm. After the initial appearance in your bond set, if you're in custody within 10 days, you have to have a probable cause determination. Mm -hmm. So there's certain stop gaps in the law to make sure people aren't held for something they didn't do. Mm There are two ways to establish probable cause in Arizona. One's a preliminary hearing, Mm -hmm. which is a public hearing where I get to cross-examine an officer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hearsay is admissible, so it's just relaxed. And the other is called grand jury, and that's a secret meeting of people Mm -hmm. that are called a grand jury that meet with the prosecutor and the detective. I'm not allowed there. The defendant doesn't go there. And so when they have the grand jury meet— It's in secret. 
The only way we know about it as criminal defense attorneys is we get a transcript of it, and we're able to review it and challenge it if something unconstitutional is done in the grand jury. So is the grand jury lawyers or just public? No, you get your jury summons, like a regular one, but it says grand juror, and for six months you go several times a week, and you sit there in a room and you hear— So you get selected the same process if you were going to like a a regular trial? You do. Wow. Yep. So that goes on. They have to have a probable cause finding within 10 days of being in custody or 20 days out of custody. And then under Rule 8 of the Rules of Criminal Procedure, you have to have your trial within mm-hmm. 150 days if you're in custody or 180 days if you're out of custody. And if that exceeds those 120 or 180 days, are you free and clear or what happens? Yeah. So if you're in custody, you get released from custody. And if they bypass that final day Mm. and they have to have a jury impaneled by that day, your case gets dismissed. So that's a way in the law to have someone punished immediately after their crime. And Mm. that's obviously the goal. Because if I come at you seven years later, you're married, you have Mm -hmm. kids, you got a good thing, you were a dumb kid when you robbed the Circle K to get cigars. And, (laughs) you know, you're like, what are you, you're taking Mm -hmm. me out of all this. So criminal justice and punishment supposed to be swift. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we talked about, you know, what you can and cannot say or what the officer can and cannot say. What can the citizen, what can they say? in that instance, when they're, let's say, being pulled over by the police or have an interaction with safety or law enforcement? So I'll tell you about both because they're different situations. One's in a car and one's when you're just out on the street. Mm -hmm. So when you're pulled over, they'll come up to you, be polite. Usually I say put your hands on the steering wheel so they can see them. No furtive movements, as Mm -hmm. the police call, because then they're going to say, oh, I thought I saw him throw a baggie Mm -hmm. or hide a gun. Mm -hmm. So you keep your hands there, you roll down your window, they approach, they have a right to ask you your name for your insurance and for your registration. At that point, what I want everybody to say is, here's my name, here's my insurance and my information, and what am I being pulled over for, sir? Hopefully they'll tell you, and then you wait, and if they start questioning more, like, where are you coming from? What were you doing? You do not answer any questions. You say, I'm not going to speak about my day or night. Thank you, sir. And you sit there. So they will look at it, and then you can ask them, am I free to go? If you're free to go, so you go. And if you're not free to go, you then say, I want to invoke my right to silence and my right to an attorney. Do not jabber on. Mm-hmm. Do not say, I went to a bachelor party or just came from my friend's house or just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So you say, I'm not talking about my night. Here's my information. What am I being detained for? If you're being detained, you invoke. Mm-hmm. When you're approached on the street, they can't ask you your name. And then they can frisk you only if they think you're two things, armed and dangerous. Mm-hmm. So they have to meet that burn. They can't just go up frisking people. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem is guys are like, what are you doing? They get mad and in their face, you cannot do it. You have to be calm and allow me as a criminal defense attorney to attack it in court. Mm-hmm. Because all you're going to do is create another mess for yeah. me with resist arrest yeah. or aggravated assault yeah. on an officer. And they start yelling, don't resist, don't resist when they're still three feet away from you. 
So for our listeners, the right thing to do is be calm. Is just be respectful, be calm. Yep. Yeah. And we'll protect your rights. That's what I'm there for. But be calm, be respectful. You have to tell them your name. If you're a passenger in a car, you can say, am I free to leave and get out of the car and walk away? Oh, wow. I didn't if even you're not know the that. One, <laughs> yeah. If you're not the one being asked questions or frisked, mm-hmm. you can say, officer, am I free to leave? So uh, be careful if you're in a crowd because they cannot do a wide expanse of mm. questioning. And if they do, you're polite. And you let me handle it as a criminal defense Mm -hmm. attorney and suppress things in court. Wow. That's great. Now, I just want to go back. What questions do you actually have to answer? You have to answer... Your name. Your name and And, and hand your information. And if you're in your car, you give them the information that they ask for. Mm -hmm. Nothing more. You can ask, what am I being, you know, charged with or why'd you stop me? And then if you're being detained. If you're not, you leave. On the street, they can ask you your name. They're allowed to do that. And for public safety, if they think you're armed and dangerous, because just being armed this this yeah, day and age, it, yeah. so what? Yeah, right? everyone, you know, or <laughs> there's a lot of people that they carry. Can, yeah, yeah, they can carry, but mm-hmm. they have to think you're armed and dangerous. Mm. That's the standard. Wow. Okay. That's another thing. Yeah. And we of. go after that in court all the time that they can't prove it. Mm. When they went up to you and they started frisking you, They've got to prove that at that point they had articulable suspicion that mm. you were armed and dangerous, and you look like a nice guy. So, <laughs> well, I try, I try, <laughs> I try to look nice and be calm and be polite and be respectful. You know. Now, could you go in depth about that grand jury and the subpoena role, or how that plays a role in court? It's a way to establish probable cause. Okay. A grand jury subpoena is where they're sending a subpoena for you to come as a witness before the grand jury mm-hmm. and give them information. Okay. And you can invoke in that situation too and say you want an attorney and you want to remain silent. Okay. And contact an attorney if you get a subpoena like that. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, could you share with us your views on consenting and giving consent? So this is one of my pet peeves too. They'll come to your door and they'll talk to you and they might have a reason to search your home. There are certain exceptions in plain view. If you open the door and you have a crack pipe and drugs out and there's things they can physically see, Mm -hmm. that's called in plain view. Okay. So there's certain reasons they can go in and just search. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they don't. Mm. And they'll say things to you like, hey, dude, um, this is just pro forma. Can I go in and just look around? Mm -hmm. Never give consent to search. Just don't do it. Because I might have a real search and seizure issue as an attorney. I can win and Mm -hmm. suppress things. Mm -hmm. But if you give consent, they're safe. Mm -hmm. So even if I challenge it on bag search law, the consent undoes that. So Mm -hmm. never consent. Don't think like, oh, I have nothing to hide, whatever. Don't let authorities search your home. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Fourth Amendment is there, a freedom from unreasonable searches and seizures, to prevent governments from coming in, going through our stuff, our homes, our persons, our cars. Mm -hmm. So never consent. Yeah, we've been having conversations on the different amendments, and I think that was one of the ones that we we brought up uh, about consent. And as we've been having this conversation, it's getting more and more interesting, because I know they can present— A search warrant? A search warrant, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's interesting how that works, even when you don't have one. And if you say, please come in— 
they have all they have all the rights Mm -hmm. and to get a search warrant we can even challenge that because they have to go before a judge and they have to present an affidavit so when my clients call me and they say police are here they have a search warrant Mm -hmm. i would say ask for the search warrant ask for the affidavit and you have to step aside and let them do it i can challenge it later say they lie in the search warrant Mm -hmm. affidavit and they put stuff in there that is not quite true Mm -hmm. So I can ask for something called a Frank's hearing Mm -hmm. and challenge the authenticity of the information in the search warrant. And then the search can be thrown out, anything they find. It's called fruit of the poisonous tree. Mm. So there there are safety valves I can help you with. And it's always be calm. Call your attorney if you have one. Mm -hmm. But be nice because you will just cause me more problems if you're not. (laughs) Yeah, being belligerent is not the way to go. It isn't. So with police encounters, what are some of the ways that people are able to handle them and de-escalate as a citizen, you know, other than just being calm? But sometimes when you're in a hostile situation, you know, we're only human. So how can we de-escalate a situation or problems that, you know, that— may happen with law enforcement. Part of the problem is some people are approached when they're drinking or have used drugs and they're not in their best mm-hmm. state or mm-hmm. they've been called to a domestic violence dispute where everybody's already revved up. Mm-hmm. But invoke right away. Say, I want to remain silent. I want my right to an attorney. And it's like a beautiful shield that comes over you like a Harry Potter cape. <laughs> and they cannot talk to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Do not re-engage with them. Stay calm. If they're asking you to put your hands up or lay on the ground, you do it. You don't move. You don't fight. If you see police approaching someone, you take out your phone and you start videotaping. Mm. You have the right to videotape. They can't take that away from you. They can't snatch it. They cannot confiscate it. Mm. So you have a right as a citizen to tape record it. Mm -hmm. And it's so important because... I hate to say it, but police lie. And often I'll get a police report and then I'll see the video. And boy, that's not what happened Mm. according to the police report. So documenting is important. But calming down is hard, especially (laughs) when you're being charged falsely or people are saying lies about you. But the more you keep your cool and Mm. are calm, the better it is for you. And I know the general rule I see is the first person to call 911 wins, mm. and that's the victim, and whoever they reported is the one who's going to jail. Mm. So be polite. Don't create more problems for me with resisting or arguing with police because a lot of them are on power trips or have issues, <laughs> uh, and they will take it out on you. Well, that's Good advice, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Of course. Is there any final thoughts or comments that you would like to share? I know you have a wonderful story, and we could talk (laughs) for another hour. I do. But is is there anything that you would like to either share about yourself or just your experience as a lawyer? And maybe even tag on the end there, uh, because we have several students. One particular that I know comes in and out of our multicultural office and is aspiring to be a lawyer and a criminal defense attorney. Yay! Could you share maybe what are some tips or even advice on how to pursue that dream? Okay. Well, first of all, you have to get your college education. Mm-hmm. So do it. Education is power. Mm. Knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And we all want to be of use in the world. You don't like the laws? Change them. 
Wow. Get involved, wow. run for office, That's great. lobby. Mm-hmm. You can't do it without an education. Mm. And the higher you go, the more power you have. Wow. So I encourage everybody to get their education. As far as law school goes, you can do a lot of things with a law school degree. You can go into business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can practice law. And there are many different kinds of law to practice. Mm-hmm. I really think that the Constitution is the most beautiful thing we have yeah. in our country. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's mm-hmm. lasted all these years. And to protect it and uphold it as an attorney with an oath mm-hmm. is really a privilege. So I believe wholly in criminal defense. I will try to get everybody to be a criminal <laughs> defense attorney. Um, but it's interesting because no matter where I go, when you say you're a criminal defense attorney, there's a horrid response. Mm-hmm. And people will say, how can you do that? How can you represent criminals? Or you know, do you only take clients that are innocent? And I always think, wow, like that is amazing to mm. me that people don't get how important it is. Because your loved one gets charged with something, you yeah. get charged with something, mm-hmm. boy, you're going to want a criminal mm-hmm. defense attorney. Absolutely. And to stand with someone without judgment and mm. say, I will be with you, I will protect you, wow. I will explain That's something beautiful. to you yeah. every step of the way. It's a beautiful thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I know you guys were talking about uh, religion, but I always say if Jesus Christ were alive, he mm-hmm. would be a public defender yeah, because you, <laughs> you stand without judgment wow. with someone to protect them. We're not always trying to get mm-hmm. someone off their charges, but treat them as humans. Humans make mistakes, yep. and I'm no better than any of the people I stand beside. So that's a beautiful thing to offer, and there's nothing that makes me more proud Mm -hmm. than being a criminal defense attorney. Well, thank you so much for being here. I definitely appreciate you and have enjoyed this conversation. Oh, you're welcome. And I resonated when you said, you know, if you want to change something, you know, get involved, do it. And I've encouraged so many students on our campus and people, everyone that I really encounter, I mean, students that— I know that are not even from Arizona that I pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, get that degree. Go get your education. Chase your dream. No matter how long it takes, you do it. Yeah, that's what you want. You go do it. And don't wait for anybody to push you or to encourage you. Do it yourself and just go. Absolutely. So thank you so much. I really appreciate this time. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Diversity. Before we end, I just want to encourage all of you to continue the conversation with your friends and family. And if you haven't already, join us on Instagram at GCU underscore multicultural, where we'll continue to keep you posted on all the information about our upcoming events and other opportunities for you to be involved alongside of our multicultural office. It's been a pleasure being your host, and I hope you have a blessed day. And of course, as always, Lopes up.